Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. So, so Vladimir, thank you for being uh, on this podcast with us. Uh, this is Thanks from Better Tech. And uh, Hi and Hesib also work at Excel, but we do host a podcast for Better Tech as well. And I do several other things in my, my life and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it while we're having this show. But uh, just to kick things off, how about you tell us uh, about a little bit about yourself, uh, what, what you're doing and what are, what are your interests these days and we'll take the conversation from there. Sure, happy to. Uh, so thank you for having me. It was, uh, it, it's always a pleasure. Um, so it, it helps me to be honest also on a personal side to fear um, less of as a foreigner in Pakistan, just, you know, to be able to have those conversations. Um, so where would I start? So currently I'm in London, maybe just to locate myself a little bit. So we just returned from Pakistan about a week ago. It's still mm-hmm. sort of uh, COVID times in Europe. Um, I currently sort of move between three homes. So I'm originally from Slovakia, which is a small, small country, mountainous, beautiful country in the middle of Europe. Uh, Not sure if you had ever chance, but if you do, please put it on the list to visit. (laughs) Definitely. Once this COVID is over, I have the plans to visit Europe and in in detail. I've been there too many times, but not to Slovakia so far. Yeah, it's, uh, it's at the moment, there is this joke going around in Pakistan with my friends is they say that um, Slovakia is sort of a, as a one Pakistani wedding when it comes to the number of people and inhabitants, so indeed 5 million. Um, so, but uh, my, currently my journey, life path really brought me to Pakistan. I'm very grateful for it. Um, what I'm trying to do there with my partners uh, is to really help uplift entrepreneurship in Pakistan and help the local talent. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been really enriching journey. Uh, Happy to talk about it in more detail. The path to Pakistan was not straightforward for me at all. It was more of a serendipity, but I truly believe in serendipity in life. And also when you are um, sort of try to be clear about your vision and then open about the path, that's sort of what I believe that it will bring you to the right places and you'll meet the right people. So that's sort of how I landed in Pakistan from Slovakia and, and, and Europe. So, so I think uh, now that you have uh, touched upon it, kind of it has intrigued me to ask you about so why, why, what was that path and both as a person and as a founder, uh, I mean, what were you doing before coming to Pakistan and how did you really find, uh, uh, find that place? On the, it's yeah, good that we have that, that serendipity, but uh, yes. <laughs> let's talk about it. Yeah. So how Pakistan landed on my uh, life map. Um, so originally, I uh, in my sort of professional life, I um, started in the policy sector. I started mm-hmm. working for European Union and for the diplomatic circles. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that that's a place where I'll feel that I belong and I can add value. Um, after a few years, I realized that um, it's a space that I might come back to later in my life, but in my initial years, it was, it was too detached from what's happening on the ground. I was really missing that experience to work with people, understand their needs uh, before you start drafting you know, policies. So it was very 
bubble-like life, very comfortable, exciting, um, which is tricky. You can get stuck in there. But for me, what was really intriguing from early days, and I think it comes back to also my childhood and the way I was raised and in Slovakia, it was a, it's still in some ways an emerging market itself. I mean, it's a part of Eastern Europe. It's finding its own identity. Um, what was always important for me is the sort of opportunity of choice, as mm. well as having, um, having the right tools to lift up and, and design your own path. And okay. I was sort of proactive about this in my own life. So um, I never really felt that, you know, I was discriminated in ways. I rather felt that I've been privileged, but mm. I've seen that um, a lot of people around me are not having the similar opportunities. And what I was always intrigued by, and, and it was sort of this intrinsic deep motivation was, what are the ways to enable people and, and give them that opportunity of choice? I never believed in that there is one model, like a copy paste solution. I always was, and I'm still deep believer that when you give people the right tools and opportunity to design the life for them, the way that fits their unique needs and, and, and their own model. So that has always sort of been the, the driver for me. And then, so from that place of motivation, um, my journey brought me to entrepreneurship really sort of naturally because when you look on what and who entrepreneurs are or what is entrepreneurship I look at it as um it's a strong engine that can drive change and it can drive it in a way that it gives people a chance it gives people the tools um it creates space for people to take their life in their own hands so what I like where is my place there is I am helping entrepreneurs to actually do the business in a way that is one nurturing for themselves and I'll talk about it more which is from uh, how do you build a healthy business what sort of the mindset with which you build a business and then also help them to think about that customer the end beneficiary in a way that does not create dependency but actually creates that en enablement and empowerment. And last bit to it, to connect it to Pakistan is that I spend a solid time in markets like UK, Europe, a little bit in US. And yes, you can drive change there certainly, but when I sort of place my foot in, in Africa, which is my sort of first um, experience with emerging markets, I knew my heart was singing. I mean, the level and the scale of change you can drive in emerging markets is just enormous. So when the chance came for me to come to Pakistan, which was really through that serendipity that my current co-founder in the business in Pakistan, Nadeem Sheikh, got an opportunity to come back to Pakistan. I mean, it's, it's his country of origin. And he called me, he was like, hey, there is an opportunity. Are you up for it? Um, I didn't know much about Pakistan at the time. I'm blunt about it, but I was very intrigued. I was intrigued by the people, by the country, by the scale of the opportunity. And after three weeks, it was a love affair with the country. So, um, so yeah, so it, it, was, it was that serendipity, but that belief that in emerging markets, you can really address substantial needs, really move the needle, um, and, and help 
people to lift up from a place where they can take their sort of life and destiny in their own hands. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm always of the opinion that many people say that uh, it's very difficult uh, to do things in places like maybe Africa or even in, uh, in Asia over here uh, because they're not as developed as potentially other developed countries of the world. But I tend to say, and you have kind of uh, said the same stuff, that where there is less stuff, there is nothing, there is an opportunity. Mm. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and when you see uh, Africa, and for that matter, uh, the countries over here in South Asia, you feel opportunity everywhere. I mean, you can pick up anything and you do it well, and there's a, so much opportunity exists. In, because you can, you can add value. You can see, I mean, it's not a saturated world. Uh, people are hungry to adapt. They are looking for value. And anyone who can deliver value, they'll definitely um, work with them. So so, so glad that uh, uh, Nadeem uh, uh, managed to brought you here and uh, yeah. now you're here <laughs> in our ecosystem. So, so that's, 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 that's really wonderful, wonderful. So, uh, I mean, uh, before you, you mentioned, uh, you touched a little bit about that you were in the policy making and all mm -hmm. that. So had you been... Uh, founding entrepreneur yourself, founding companies before moving on to this investment journey? So my sort of starting point with entrepreneurship was that I returned back to my place of birth and origin, which was Central Eastern Europe. It was about a time when uh, the, the, the sort of the word startup did not even exist in that context of geography. But a lot of my friends actually we're sort of starting their own ventures. I don't come from entrepreneurial family. My, my parents and my sister, they're all engineers. It was sort of a path for me also to pre-design. So when I said that I'm going towards the humanities, so I studied human rights and uh, international relations. It was sort of a, it was not an easy decision. Let's put it that way. So I had to find my way. Um, but I was, I was really intrigued by the mindset that this group of friends that I was surrounded by when I was still sort of in the policy sector, how they were just doing things, how they were thinking. I mean, the risk appetite, the excitement, the fact that, you know, failure was thinking, it was sort of thought as part of a journey. Um, there was a, a huge space of freedom that talked to me. Also, just the ability or the sort of your ability to touch the change that you are sort of co-creating. So I became part of the ecosystem. I gave it a shot. It was a major pivot in my own journey, for which for a lot of people was a big question mark. So it was also identity question in terms of like, how are, why are you not continuing on the ladder? It's like all straightforward, you know? It was all like sort of lined up. Um, but I decided to do it and, and I'm really grateful for it. So my initial journey was that I was using the benefit of understanding the policy sector and sort of when you are building and you will know these guys, when you're building an entrepreneurial ecosystem, the advantage is that if you know the other players, other stakeholders, stakeholders mm -hmm. like government, the public sector, the other infrastructure players, accelerators, incubators, all of those are important elements in creating the shift. So that's what that's was sort of my entry point because I already had that. And that's also a skill set and, and sort of I would say my strength is to connect the dots and be able to be a bridge. So I leveraged that. And then gradually I was 
entering deeper and deeper the world of entrepreneurs. And it was from a place of understanding what does it take to build a business? One from a really business sort of business model, uh, go-to-market strategies, all of those. But the part that I thought that is really, really exciting and also I felt that is very much undervalued and overseen is the part around the mentality of the founder, the well-being of the founder, the human capital. There was not much focus on it, to be honest. When I started working with investors and then from Central Europe, I moved to London. So it was more developed ecosystem. I, what I saw was a lot of questions, whether it's part of due diligence process or even later in the board meetings that I was part of, the questions were about returns, profits, financial value, all of that, right? Um, yeah, there were some questions around the team, but it was more from who are you thinking to bring on board in terms of more the functional role perspective, very little around the mindset with which we're building the business, right? How are you thinking about the, what I call today more operating system? So the analogy goes to when you have your computer, I have my Mac now in front of me. It's like, if I want to download some or innovate on my Mac, my operating system, the foundation needs to be right. And I felt that very little of focus goes into that direction. So that's where I sort of started entering a little bit more of psychology, the whole human side behind the business. Um, and that's where I also sort of, that's where my focus is today heavily, even in Pakistan and what we are trying to do with the, with the entrepreneurs. But short answer to your question is that my role for many years has been to work shoulder to shoulder with entrepreneurs. Um, and only in the past two years, I sort of entered the journey of like, okay, time to also build something, you know, with co-founders. I have co-founders in both ventures, um, which I'm grateful for, although sometimes it's painful, but uh, yeah, it's, it's recently that I, am, um, I became a founder myself. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, these were certainly very insightful thoughts. And as you have also touched upon your journey um, about like how you started various companies and how you became part of the ecosystem. So, and also Umair touched on, on the things that since Pakistan is an emerging market and there is a lot of opportunity out there. What do you think in your opinion is the role of venture builders in emerging markets like mm -hmm. Pakistan, how they can play their role to um, bring the A game of the local startups and really play their part? Hasib, thank you so much for the question. I love the question because um, when we, so our venture builder is Neem Exponential, which it's funny, I'm, I'm gonna start from the name because my co-founders are Nadim and Naeem. So a lot of people think that the name comes from their names, but you will know that it doesn't, it comes from the phenomena, South Asian phenomena of the Neem tree. Yeah. and sort of the goodness of in prosperity and we wanted to sort of embed this into our venture and scale it exponentially so that's where the meme exponential comes from so venture builder so when we even these days when we talk to people and i said that we are name exponential this is what we do most often people go into um a thought that we are a fund we are a venture capital firm we are investors and that's not true so through the experience of the past, let's say, 10 years and the exposure to 
a little bit the emerging markets in Eastern Europe, but also then the, the work in Africa that we did and some of the other experience of my co-founders, we, we realized that in emerging markets, there's this phenomena that um, once a lot of capital comes in, whether it's from the local investors or now Pakistan is becoming more and more attractive to external investors. I mean, in 2020, about 80% was from outside investors mm -hmm. towards Pakistan. What happens is the local talent, what we see, the local ventures, they, their ability to absorb the capital and work with it in a meaningful way is really lacking. It's nearly... I would, I would dare to say it's non-existent. So we, there, the need for the ecosystem to sort of be shoulder to shoulder or handhold, provide a deeper support in building, not only in investing, is really foundational, essential. We've seen it in Kenya, which became a hot market globally and in Africa. A lot of money flew in. Um, the it was very attractive for the local ventures. It certainly gave some kick, it was important, but a lot of those ventures actually failed. They, they did not grow to the stages of the potential they had because the entrepreneurs did not have the experience. We see the venture builder as not only helping to think about the financial value, so how do you attract capital for your own venture, but we are there available to think with you as a co-founder about the strategy. We help think about the organization, about the team, about the culture. Uh, we help you to connect to the right stakeholders, right? And one last thought, even when you think about attracting capital, we see this very, very much in Pakistan right now is that there is a, a lot of need to educate both entrepreneurs and local investors about what does it mean to take a smart investment on, a meaningful investment, right? That is not gonna be detrimental to you as a founder, that gives you more than the money, that it gives you the connection, that it gives you strategic advantage. So all of that is needed. And we believe that that's where the venture builders, I mean, their role is certainly complementary to the investors and more traditional, I mean, the whole area of NICs and sure. NSDI. But, but are you also uh, acting in addition to this venture building activity as a fund as well, or this is not part of your scope? So not at the moment. We mm -hmm. made a very conscious decision to start as a venture builder where we help our companies to attract funding and to fundraise, but we are not investing ourselves. So we are, mm -hmm. we said for the first initial phase of Neem Exponential, let's help build up the pipeline. And then mm -hmm. later on where we see that actually even for Neem, it can be an advantage to have some seed capital, we'll build a fund structure. We are talking to, I mean, few, um, players, stakeholders that would be interested for us to even have that funding structure. Um, but really, I mean, um, Mary, it was a conscious decision on our side to first build and help attract smart investment for our companies from outside. I'm also an angel investor. And I mean, in an extent, uh, we, are, we have a lot in common. So I have my own company, which is uh, again a professional services company, and we also build products. But uh, but a few years back, I really thought that what is a way to give back, and which was really to train other 
entrepreneurs and invest in them because when we were uh, building these companies, there was no one to invest. So, so I totally understand the role of uh, helping someone, mentoring someone, uh, building up the capacity as well as funding. But, uh, but for, for the sake of uh, audience who might be interested in listening to our podcast, uh, I mean, how does it work for you? So, I mean, for investment, it's, it's really pretty simple. They value your company, mm. take up a board seat, invest something. For NICs, they give you infrastructure and all that and take up a certain equity or something. In your particular case, if someone wants to come to you, how, yeah. I mean, what's your selection process? How do you pick up a venture? Or if there's someone comes to you, what would they need to talk to you about? And also, uh, what do you give and what do you take out of a venture? Got it. A lot of questions in there, but all, all, yep. all it's a loaded questions. <laughs> yes. So basically, what's the model? How can we collaborate? So I would say the first thing is important is that we are thesis-driven, thesis-focused. So okay. our focus is financial wellness. So financial okay. wellness um, is basically a concept that describes in embedding, integrating financial services as an enabler into different sectors. And I can give examples. So at the moment uh, in our portfolio, let's say we have agriculture, agri-tech company, as mm -hmm. well as education company. Um, we have a deep financial services as a vertical company, but I'll use the first two as an examples. Uh, in the agri-tech space, what we help the company to do is to embed financial services into their products and services. So basically, that platform is now not only advising their farmers, which is, uh, by the way, their scale is there at the moment, they're servicing about 16 million farmers across Pakistan. It's okay. enormous. So hmm. now we're thinking- Which startup is that, by the way? It's uh, Baha Burkisan based okay. out of Islamabad it's a okay. it's a beautiful business I I mean the team is has grown it organically and they brought us on board to help them think about how they can even further grow and scale not mm -hmm. only in number of the farmers they serve but also in the sort of uh, richness of the products that they provide and how they serve to the farmer so the financial services embedded in their products in the advisory about how to take care of the crops, soil, et cetera, is also now about lending. Can the farmer take a lending um, or insure himself against a bad weather conditions so he protects his crops? Uh, so all of that is a thinking that we are helping them to think through. So that's where the embedded integrated financial services comes. So we are at the end of the day, it is about the wellness of the farmer. And the wellness, the well-being comes also from the financial services. It mm -hmm. goes beyond the traditional sort of thinking about financial inclusion, which was everybody needs to have a bank account. Yes, mm -hmm. that's true. But today, a lot of individuals, the end consumers, don't go to bank to take insurance, to get the loan. It's nearly impossible for them. It's, also it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a socioeconomic mix. You, you take... Look, yes. Take look. Yeah, you, you take a look at the social well-being as well as the economic well-being. 100% Amir. It is the social, digital, emotional needs of that individual. And these days, our needs are integrated. The beauty of this model is that the phone, and now we know that the penetration of the devices across Pakistan is huge. It's an enabler, right, for uplifting somebody uh, in their lives. Everything can happen through, it, through the phone. 
the adoption, digital adoption is happening. And that's what we are trying to sort of help our businesses, businesses to implement and, and think through. So coming back, financial wellness is a key focus for us. So whether you are uh, if for, for the listeners, where if you are a business that plays in tourism, mobility, agriculture, e-commerce, every company is a fintech company in a way, because every company today will be embedding in some way financial services, right? Whether it's for the basic payment or then later for insurance, lending, etc. So that's, I would say we are not limited to financial services businesses. We're open to nearly any sector where there's this need to embed financial services. So that's very key because we understood that we can be only successful as a one player in the wider ecosystem if we keep our focus. So that's sort of where we are trying to be. Not straight. only that financial thing gets embedded into whatever the startup they're doing, but that somehow should translate to the financial well-being of uh, the users of uh, that product. So that's what I understood. That's the motivation. Yes, that's the motivation. That's the goal. That that's the social the part the day, as well, I guess. Yes. I mean, our, as New Exponential, our vision is uh, to enable financial wellness for every Pakistani. So, okay. and we're doing that through different sectors to get to that individual. So, um, so Yes. Once you, uh, I mean, so I understand that there's a thesis based on which you select a startup. So how do you collaborate with them? I mean, yes. uh, how do you get involved and what is your uh, take out of that startup in terms of equity or whatever? So one thing that we understood when we sort of started building Neem Exponential, and again, this also reflects some of the experience from the past, is that we try to build a quite flexible model in how we collaborate with the ventures and with entrepreneurs. We realize that the one fits all solution is not gonna work here. So at the moment we have sort of three models how we collaborate. One model, and I'm gonna use the example of uh, the agri-tech business that we talked about, is that when there is a business or there are entrepreneurs that already are on their path, on their journey, and they're now thinking about scale, growth, embedding financial services, we come in as nearly a co-founder with a co-founder mindset. Okay. And we come in with that strategy thinking, with that thinking about growth, networking, organization, all of that is there, really the building part. And we come on board, technically, we take a sweat equity. So we okay. work for it. We don't bring investment at this point in time. We bring the work. Okay. So okay. that's one model. It's a minor sweat equity. The business, the entrepreneur is still the majority owner because that's the model we believe can only what work. What is the typical percentage that you... Uh, uh, usually it's about 7%. It's, okay. it's, it's below 10%. Um, so the work may be engineering related. It could be financial modeling. It could be strategy related. Yes, organization okay. related. Uh, it okay. is also thinking if, uh, let's say, in our business, uh, a few other businesses where we are um, sort of co-founders, we're thinking about, um, let's say, when they're um, accessing the public sector stakeholders, state bank, all of those introductions, right? So there is a value that comes with different hats across the okay. whole value chain of building a business. Sure. So co-founder is one model. Mm -hmm. Then we have a model that we sort of call a platform. That okay. model is based on 
the opportunity where we see a functional model either on a technology proven technology or a business model that has been functioning on a different markets primarily in emerging markets then we partner with that entity and bring the business to pakistan and we build that business sort of scratch from a from zero ground zero on on the yes proven technology model and business model but we localize it in, in pakistan so this okay. has happened in one of our businesses that is called carry pay that is a fintech at tech play so it's a okay. payment and communication platform between schools and parents okay, so okay. the model has been uh, now functioning for about five years in south africa they're servicing mm -hmm. thousands of schools it's proven they have their team they're expanding on into other markets such as uk australia we had a very good relationship with the founding team and we saw an opportunity in pakistan mm -hmm. we, so what do they really do they, they sit in between schools and parents and uh it make yes. the financial transactions easier or they also lend or what? what do so, they so you are going exactly where this, so it is bigger play than the payments play. It starts right. with the payments and communication. The communication platform is really a hook for the parents. So it goes between right. the traditional sort of payment solution, but the future mayor, it's uh, really the financial wellness. Again, it goes towards lending to the parents, right? A lot okay. of the, Corona has been such a momentum for the schools to realize that a lot of the parents value the education of their kids. So the ability to take a loan to still be able to pay for the education, the school fees is important for the parent. Mm -hmm. Equally, a lot of parents is asked for, can I have a basic saving product so I can start actually saving money for the college education for my kid? So it goes once the you sort of start using the basic functionality around the payment mm -hmm. and the communication then later on we are thinking to enable the further needs of the parent and it has a lot of benefits on the school side as well so it is more holistic experience for for both of the sort of uh, beneficiaries or parties so that's um, the model where you take a proven technology and bring it over here. Indeed, exactly. And we localize it on the market. So what happened is that we became sort of a shareholder. The, the South African party is also a shareholder in Pakistan. So it's a sort okay. of a joint venture. Yeah, but sure, what sure. we are doing is we, we are building the business from scratch in terms of the team, in terms of obviously the uh, relationship with the school, the whole business development, and even thinking about potentially later expansion to other markets in Southeast Asia. But that's a model where we come in as a builder again. So you should have then uh, an entrepreneur in residence program as well, so that you can have these people whom you yes. can give a technology, do a matchmaking and make them create that venture. It's one of the thinking and where maybe you guys can be a thought partner for that, because that's something that we, have in our pipeline uh, just did not get enough time and mind space to figure that out but but yes because what's happening is that already since we sort of you know our inception in i mean early days that we emerged in in pakistan and sort of shared it with the market we try and also not to shout too much like we really love the model where your results show for you rather than you know being really loud um but when we sort of launched the website and, and made a little bit of an announcement to the market um 
the interest is there. Like we are getting quite a lot of sort of ideas coming from outside, from entrepreneurs. Some of them are, it's, it's sort of a mix of entrepreneurs in there with ideas from within Pakistan, but also some of those are coming from different markets. Um, just as an example, there is one which is a robo advisory. It's a, it's a saving product that is coming, that has an interest to come in to Pakistan from other markets. They already operate a number of markets globally. And that's another partnership that we are bringing in. What we have to do is to build it, localize it sort of from ground zero. Find an entrepreneur who can take it forward. Oh, brilliant. So we need to talk about that <laughs> because yeah. we are in need. I mean, I mean, so so we, are, we, are, we are in a pretty similar thing and I guess we always get short on time. So I mean, I, I, do, I do practice similar models. We, we also become co-founders in some where we build the technology to the work. Uh, I sometimes invest as an angel uh, along with another uh, partner. And then sometimes we also look at these potential successful models abroad and we see how we can bring them in. But obviously uh, one has to find but the talent that can really take it forward. And yeah. with our current work, it sometimes become uh, something something of a challenge. Uh, Haseeb, you yeah. want to add something over here? Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely enjoying the discussion between, between the two uh, sort of uh, similar-minded people. But yeah, I mean, Vladi, um, uh, you actually touched upon various various things like you have worked in various cultures, Eastern mm -hmm. Europe, like um, Africa, USA, and now Pakistan as well. There is a lot of cultural differences between these countries if we talk about. I mean, the upbringing is different, educational background is different, thinking mindset is different, and approach to solving problems is also different. So what sort of are some of the key differences that you have seen between the entrepreneurs of these, these countries? And uh, what sort of advice would you like to give the local entrepreneurs on how, how they can actually excel in whatever thing that they are doing? Hmm. Um, thank you, Hasib, for the question. I, I sort of feel like there is a paradox in what you were saying because um, I from the experience that I have working in Eastern Europe, as you rightly said, and a little bit in Africa, um, and now in Pakistan, I do see a lot of similarity, actually, when it comes to the fabric of that talent. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there is difference maybe between the ecosystem of London and Silicon Valley to what I see in, in Pakistan. But it, to be honest, I think it's just a sort of natural evolution of the ecosystem. It's a so, function of exposure, in my opinion. And as hmm. you get more exposed, you get more successful, the same ecosystem gets developed. That's yes. So, so when I look on coming in, uh, really even in, in, in Eastern Europe and, and now in Pakistan, I actually, the one reason why I think that I feel a strong sense of belonging and familiarity is because the sort of the fabrics and the ingredients of the ecosystems and of of the talent and people I work with is very similar. Mm -hmm. There is that initial sort of curi huge curiosity, major hunger for addressing the needs. Um, so there is that drive, but at the same time, what I see there is also that naivety, uh, and and I mean in a good sense of a word, but there is. There is also a lot of what I sort of mentioned before, the, the need to sort of talk loud before there is actually 
some reasonable results and outcomes impact and, and the track record. And I all like address this again to the maturity of the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So it all feels sort of familiar. Uh, obviously, yes, there are cultural differences that just come back to, um, I think, how you know the, the history of the countries right and and sort of our past that you know is, is it comes back to us as individuals or us as sort of nations but um it's interesting i sort of live and breathe this um this path of being a global citizen then looking into this with a lens of i feel like a slovak being in pakistan and working with pakistanis it's I don't have that lens. I do humbly try to listen a lot and try to understand the nuances of the local market and local needs that might be different and I might not be aware of them. So that's there. But when it comes to the core, I think actually it's it's quite similar. It comes to that, I think, and as I was saying, one on one side, the the hunger and the urge and the curiosity and on the other side i think there is just simply that lack of experience lack of knowledge that you know need to be addressed and need to be sort of um helped with by by the players that have been privileged in in their lives and had the chance like ourselves here on the call so i think that's sort of the rest of responsibility that we have to to give back it could be there could mm -hmm. be a slovak in pakistan or, or perhaps yeah. a pakistani who was abroad just Indeed, <laughs> I don't think it doesn't really matter. One thing that yeah. I was shocked by is how much, you know, I came to Pakistan as, you know, like, yes, I'm a foreigner, but again, I'm trying to take that lens away. But even within Pakistan is that you're Karachian and then you're Punjabi. And so I was like, <laughs> there is a lot of that nuance. And, and, and I'm trying to, I think this is maybe where I feel, you know, blessed that I don't have that lens and it feels sort of, fresh to me and everybody it's uh it's a human being so one one question is that uh if you see uh the neighboring countries mm. uh then uh the venture money has started coming into these countries about five six seven years back and yeah. uh, the, the the venture capital really took them uh fast and on a fast forward pathway quickly uh, it didn't happen over here for various reasons, could be geopolitical reasons, whatever reasons. So have you seen that trend changing, a lot of startups coming up, a lot of money coming in? And how do you see things changing in the probably next two, three years or five years? Yeah, so um, completely agree with you, Omer, in terms of that there were reasons why Pakistan have been sort of left out of the development what we've seen in indonesia in india itself i mean the amount of funding on a per capita is very different right bangladesh i mean right. just really yeah. um no far um we do see a change uh i'm sure that you know the players who've been here for much longer than myself could be even more sort of uh better in a place to to, to sort of respond but i'm gonna respond from the experience that i have is that i do see a change uh we see it in um, I, there are a few factors and then i can address what we see um i think the factors that are driving the change is also uh one important one is the behavior of the regulator. So the mm -hmm. fact that the Pakistan State Bank and the regulator is really now 
becoming a friendly entity. There's there are no more receptive to ideas. I mean, that's what I've seen. Yeah. Absolutely. There is a sandbox that has been launched, right, for the fintechs. Um, there is the digital payment rail system, RAS, that has been established in collaboration with the global players. All of that plays an important, important role in sort of making Pakistan one more nurturing place for those sort of experiment-based uh, and, and um, more sort of provocative and digitally enabled businesses to really test and build the solutions, but also to attract the external funding. Um, so that is one that is very important. I think the another one that is uh, important for external investors to see is that there is an emerging shift around the local investment culture. So we see more funds popping up, more in uh, sort of the angel investors network. I mean, the NIC has created the team up in, in initiative, right? That is uh, building the eventual uh, angel investors network in Pakistan. That is very important signal to the external world, to the in, uh, outsiders that there is activity happening inside the country. So it's nearly a level or point of credibility for the external investors um, to come in. Um, Again, I think the big sort of factor is also simply the activity on the entrepreneurial side. So some of the successes, right? I mean, what we see right now, I think it's also a lot of buzz. So a lot of those ventures that are coming up and, and, and got funding and stuff. My, my sort of take on it is that probably a big part of them will not survive and will not make it. But that's part of the story. That's part of right. building the ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. So I think for, again, for the external funding to see that that activity is important as a signal. I think when you take a look at the demographics and other that's stuff- That's another one. I was just about to go there, 100%. Yeah. Sorry. It's yeah. very similar, similar to the neighboring countries. So which really means that- uh, uh, if not an invest, a lot of investment has been poured in, then it means that the startups are available at a very, very attractive valuation, which you cannot find in other countries. So I really see it as an opportunity. I think it's it's quickly going beyond the angel range. Uh, pretty uh, pretty quickly now, there are a lot more common seed, pre-seed rounds, even Series A's are springing up. So I guess uh, for any foreign investor right now, it's 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 a land of opportunities if they can pick the right ones. Uh, that's about it. So I'm, I'm interested in fine. before we, hmm. I think you and I can go on and on for another couple of hours. <laughs> There's so much to talk about and we should have another session on it. But just Certainly. to make, uh, uh, make to just to make sure that we uh, wrap it up in a time. So uh, towards the end, I would like to know what, what in, uh, startups have you invested in so far or, or are partnered with? and uh, what kind of startups you're looking to further uh, invest in, I mean, uh, within your model, so that mm -hmm. if someone is interested, they can really hook up with you. And uh, obviously, uh, after the call, we can also discuss how we can really collaborate. Okay. So I'll start from the, the one that I already mentioned. So in our co-founder model, we are collaborating with the Agritech Play, Bakhabar Kassan. So that uh, um, takes a major, major focus for us. 
Then we have one play which is in mobility uh, and um, clean energy. Um, so we are collaborating with uh, a founder and a sort of entrepreneurial team out of Lahore that is building electric rickshaws. They're in okay. their initial stage and they're building a pilot, but very exciting play. We're also thinking about how do we embed the financial services into, into this play so the uh, people could actually be owners of the electric rickshaws they could become investors we could lend the money etc so there is this whole holistic model around this so that's a mobility then we have one major play in financial services itself um it's a it's a play which has the name kiss pay the uh, founder is quite, quite known out of Karachi. Uh, what they're trying to do is that they're trying to sort of enable the shift uh, of adoption, uh, mobile device, mobile devices and smartphone in particular for people because it is a tool for again uplifting from poverty enablement. Mm -hmm. um, so they're working with retailers and helping retailers to um, finance the when the buying power of individuals to take the mobile devices um they're starting with women uh because also we know that the, when you support a women you support a community in the village so that's for first and also the default rates are absolutely i mean it's a brilliant numbers and statistics that we globally know that women have uh so as a as a borrowers so the financing of the mobile handsets it's it's one um then there is the one around uh edtech fintech that i mentioned carry pay which is the platform model mm -hmm. where we are building the communication and financing platform for schools and parents um then uh, there is one more play that I did not mention that um, is a sort of a joint venture. It's a partnership in the SME retail sector. We deeply, yeah. deeply believe that the SME sector in Pakistan will be a major driver of positive change. And we are helping uh, that players, it's a combination of a, of a bank, of a local player, one load, and a credit scoring technology from Africa, Kunda, that joined sort of forces, and they're now building uh, lending power for two retailers so that they can actually become that sort of one-stop shop and lend to their end customers. So there is a big play there. Um, as I mentioned, we are looking into saving uh, products, so the robo-advisory. We're excited about uh, the fact that State Bank is um, sort of progressing on digital banking licenses, so we are looking wow. into digital banking play. Um, we are looking into healthcare and how sort of financial services can, can enable healthcare and health tech. Uh, so this is a little bit where we are. I would also say that we are quite um conservative in terms of the number of ventures that we believe we can support uh and how sort of what scale of a growth for us so the vision is more to work with about 20 entrepreneurs in about three years timeline okay. so okay. that's it's, it's rather a smaller intimate group of entrepreneurs and and, and ventures but going very deep with them um yeah. That's giving them the giving them some real help, not just absolutely, right. absolutely, yeah. rather than scratching the surface. That's no, no, absolutely. So I can only say thank you. I mean, thank you for being in Pakistan and helping the local ecosystem. That's wonderful. And uh, I guess uh, Neem Ventures, obviously, you guys are doing something great stuff. So we should also talk again. There's a lot that we can uh, we can we can do about it. So INSE will sign off from this uh, Beta Tech episode and. Uh, 
it it was a really pleasure for me thank you guys for having me and uh it was a pleasure to get to know you both and also it's it's a privilege to sort of play a part in the wider ecosystem with uh with change agents like yourself so it's been a great pleasure thanks for listening to weathertech we look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode in the meantime Check out our other episodes at techcell.com/podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.